Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode, we talked about five things that B2B companies can do to build brand affinity. So we talk a little bit about kind of what brand affinity is, brand awareness, building some sort of credibility or loyalty or distinction around your brand, and then gave some real actionable items that you can do as an organization to actually build that brand affinity in your area, your particular niche. So as always, give us a like, subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoy it, share it with a colleague or friend. And of course, always come back and give us a listen next time. So enjoy. So Taylor, today we're going to talk about B2B brand affinity. You know, how do you build brand awareness as a B2B company? All the different tactics that we think about. But I think there's so many easy ways someone can build brand affinity or Mm. get people to like the brand, trust the brand, and way before you need to buy something from that company, right? So we see some of the largest brands, like say Salesforce or any of those big companies, they spend so much time and energy just building the brand. Right? They're not talking about selling you a CRM system or asking you to join a demo. They're just investing into yeah. brand awareness. And a lot of companies typically are thinking more bottom of funnel, let's get the leads, but very little investment is spent on brand building. Right. And I know we do this all day long and I know you have a lot of great ideas. I want to kind of have you break down some simple yet very effective tactics that brands could use our audience to build a better brand. How yeah. does that sound? Yeah. And uh, just to kind of address what you talked about, I agree. For whatever reason, brand building is not always a part of every B2B organization's marketing plan. But I believe it should be because like you said, the reason that it's not is that it's not, there's no direct correlation a lot of times with some of those brand building type activities to immediate revenue, right? And so we tend to focus more on as B2B marketers on like the performance-based marketing, anything that you can see tangible. I did this and I got X number of leads, right? Right. So really what happens is you do it the right way. It takes a longer time to build brand awareness, brand affinity, but that acts as an accelerant through the rest of the marketing process, the sales process. And so sometimes, you know, you'll, you do branding type events, you, you build brand awareness and then enough people actually heard about your brand they go directly to Google and search for your brand name. And then that lead gets attributed to organic search. And then a marketer who's not thinking is going to say, well, we need to double down on organic search, right? It's not that organic search is not right, but just think logically and you'll realize that the more people are searching for your brand is a good thing, not, oh, well, we need to focus on this channel or Google ads or Facebook ads or whatever it would be. We need to do things that can build that affinity towards our brand and build some kind of, well, you know, a little bit of loyalty or at least people recognizing us in the industry, in our space, right? We need to be well-known within our niche, whatever that is. So some things that we can do, we're going to kind of walk through five ideas that you can do as a company to build brand affinity. Number one, first and foremost, I think it's creating valuable content. Like if you want people to trust you and want to work with you, you have to give them something of value. Always lead with value, lead with education. So ideas that you can do to create valuable content. Nowadays, I think it's never been easier to create videos, build a YouTube channel, create a podcast, build a podcast. Um, I mean, there's tons of other ways you can create content, infographics, blog posts, but those seem to be really effective right now is creating videos and, and building a podcast. 
Absolutely. I always like to think about value add versus value extract, right? So we as a company create so many tools, you know, ROI calculators, our podcast being one of them, our YouTube channel, anything that we can do to train or educate someone. We have webinars, all the things I'm thinking of that we do just just to get someone to know and even hear about us, right? So I think a lot of times brands put those things last because they don't see, oh, well, you know, those people that register for our webinar and never become a customer. So why do it? Yeah. <laughs> Knowing that the sales cycle might be 12 months long, you can't judge what happens or they might be an influencer in right. another company, right? Yeah, so, the sales cycle hasn't even started yet. Exactly, right. right? So I do like that because I think it all stems from content and the variable there is the quality of the content. So if you as a brand have certain things that you believe strongly in, it has to be said in everything that you do, right? Yep. They only need to watch one video to know, man, this is what they do. This is their, this is where they take the stand and I like it or I don't like it, right? Yep. It's easy. Yep. So the second thing that we want to talk about is the same idea of creating your own valuable content is doing what we call brand collaborations, right? So you can call this whatever you want, kind of influencer sure. marketing or affinity marketing or partnerships, PR, anything like that. But my idea you know, behind it or the thought behind it is take the same approach of I want to create some valuable content but partner with somebody else that is either in your industry or serves the same industry or has the attention of your industry, anything that you can do to essentially piggyback on someone else's audience. So, I mean, a couple of examples. So our own, for our own company, one of the the markets that we serve in terms of our clients is manufacturing. So there's been multiple times where we've gone and been partners at, you know, manufacturing associations. So we've sponsored events, webinars, We've been like keynote speakers at manufacturing conferences. We go to, you say, manufacturing trade shows, anything like that. Some of the most effective ones has been we've partnered with other companies that also service manufacturing space that are not partners or not competitors to us. So uh, we've done this like a series of webinars and panels with manufacturing, basically uh, SAP and ERP implementers for manufacturing space. So we're working in conjunction because, you know, we help, let's say, manufacturer drive more traffic, leads, or sales through their website. The ERP implementers help connect that maybe e-commerce system to their fulfillment system and the SAP system and ERP system on the back end. So there's a lot of synergies there. We're not competitors, but we can provide value. We can bring an audience to them that they wouldn't have been able to reach before. And they can bring an audience to us that we wouldn't have been able to reach before. So doing brand collaborations like that, that are synergistic and make sense for both parties is extremely valuable in, in my opinion. Yeah. And and, uh, and it takes a lot of effort to kind of seek out and work on that. But I think even if it's a co-hosted webinar, mm-hmm. hey, get a software company and a service company or whatever together, maybe some product that your customers could really benefit from and create a completely educational content and yeah. say, here, come learn three things that you need to do in XYZ situation. Yeah, It's evergreen content. You can have people watch that all given time added to your YouTube channel. But I agree because you're kind of piggybacking on their email list, your email list, both parties benefit in my opinion. And I think it has to be that way that there's an equal benefit or very close to equal benefit for both parties. If it seems like one person is going to benefit more than the other, you're not going to get that motivation or that dedication to, like you said, if it's an event or a webinar to put the time in and resources in to actually make it that valuable. Because for example, if they just have a huge email list or you know they host a podcast that has tons of listeners and subscribers, 
but you're not really bringing that much value to the table, then why would they need you, right? They need to need you as much as you need them, right? They need valuable content to give to their audience. You need to reach their audience, or maybe you have your own audience of following you can bring to the table. So those are typically the more, you know, mutually beneficial they are, the more likely that you're going to get buy-in to actually produce whatever that piece of content is. Got it. I literally think you should take two seconds now, write down five brands that you can (laughs) contact this week. It's a workshop. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So a third way that you can kind of build brand affinity, one channel I think is still under leverage, underutilized is organic social. Mm. I think in digital marketing, paid social is and can be so effective that a lot of times people lack the patience to invest into organic social because we can run a Facebook ad or we can run ads in LinkedIn and we can increase our reach. We can you know, drive traffic. We can generate leads or sales or whatever it is that we're trying to do. Uh, but I think truly building brand awareness, I think that's a different strategy uh, than building brand awareness and building brand affinity, which is what we're talking about today. I think really owning that channel of organic social and building a following there is something that most B2B companies still don't do and don't do the right way. Uh, If you're just writing a blog post for SEO purposes and then sharing that blog post on organic social, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about creating content specific for that channel and building an audience there. That is, is one way for sure that you can build that brand affinity. Yeah. And I think it's that there's a lot of hesitancy that B2B you know, audience isn't on social or, yeah. you know, we're selling so-and-so equipment, machine, whatever. Yeah, our audience be. isn't there. Yeah. I mean, who is going to come and like my content, but I don't think that we're looking the right way. It's about building awareness. And that's what this whole episode is about. It's about talking to the pain and the right. challenges <laughs> and the and maybe the success stories and bringing the human side of your business. Yeah. It could be anything, right? Yeah. You're celebrating somebody's birthday. It doesn't really matter. At the end of the day is that you're actually being there creating content and being social. And yeah. And, and that's, in my opinion, it's more of a reason. It's not a deterrent. It's more of a reason that you need to, to double down on that channel. If like, if your answer is, well, none of our competitors are on social, we, you know, our audience isn't on social. You'd have to show me, you'd have to prove to me what that audience is that they're not on social. Right. Because right. And they, this B2B, we say all the time, like B2B is just, you know, B to H or B to P or whatever. It's human, right? At the right. end of the thing, there's a person that's making, that decision. And so you're going to tell me that they're not online or anywhere, right? Like they don't have a life. They're not online. (laughs) I mean, everyone is connected to their phone. So there's a way to get to them, whether that's email or LinkedIn or Twitter or Instagram, YouTube, or show them ads on, you know, Hulu or whatever it is. I mean, there's a way that you can get to someone online. So I don't believe that there's a ton of audiences out there that just aren't online or aren't on social, then they may lean heavily more towards one platform or the other. But then the other thing is typically, right? When you think about if it's a smaller audience or audience that's harder to get to, what you're selling them in most cases is a big, big ticket item, right? right? That it costs more because it's more custom. There's a smaller audiences, less competitors that do it and makes a more specialized task. If it was a commodity, if you're selling hats and shoes and your audience was huge, like that's different. But what we're talking about is basically the juice is worth the squeeze of focusing and trying to reach that audience. Because when you do get in front of them, you know, you might get a million dollar contract or right. half a million dollar contract. So to me, it's worth it. Even if, if you say, well, my audience is there, I created this video 
and it only has, you know, 500 views on Facebook. Right. But like, if that is such a specific video that the only person that would ever watch that video is someone who's your target demographic, right? right. Because our audience isn't online. It doesn't take a huge volume to actually accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, no, I think it's brilliant. Um, and trust me, engineers are on social. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the audiences that we get all the time. It's like, yeah. these are engineers, they're very technical. They are the people that you need to focus on the most because their whole MO is, Right. I'm going to go figure out how to do this myself right. yeah. before I pick up the phone and call somebody for help. Yeah. So I'm going to go and I'm going to research and I'm going to read articles. I'm going to watch videos. That is the way that they're wired, right? And so we see that all the time because we because we do work with manufacturing companies. No matter what they're manufacturing, almost always their audience is like an engineer, right? right. They're, right. they're like, well, we got him for an engineer. So very dry technical content. Um, but we could still get 50, 60,000 views on a, a YouTube video. We could still create valuable content and create a discussion on LinkedIn or something like that. They're there, right? The ones that are seeking solutions are there, which is the ones that you're trying to bring to your website because right. those are the ones you want to sell to. They're looking right. for a solution. You offer a solution. Right. Let's help and each and other I out. think, again, as I mentioned with the brand partnership, think about what platform you as a brand need to get on that you're not in right now that you've been putting off on hold right. for a good day, a good time, a, a new marketing person to join, to manage the Facebook. It doesn't matter. It almost has to be a priority or else it's not going to happen. Yep. Right. Or look at other industries, but B2B companies and see how they're doing <clears throat> content creation, because you may not have any examples in your niche that may be a, a good example. So yep. while you're going to be that one, Look at what others are doing. And I always use, you know, what software companies do. Mm -hmm. And it's just because I think software companies are the best marketers mm -hmm. because they invest a lot of time and energy doing creative stuff to get the message across. And in a lot of other companies, they, they just like, they don't know, just mm -hmm. leave it alone. So, I mean, if there's a, a video, if there's a brand's going to be on TikTok, it'll be a SaaS company. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> they will go <laughs> the nth degree because they're all sort of like, it's very scientific to them. They're like, let's do this, this, and this, and this. And if they do that, that typically means that, you know, they're growth marketers, right? That's exactly what we like to teach here. So yeah. think of another industry that's really creating different types of content. See that, how do you do that in your industry if you have the bandwidth and, and you know, and someone right. to manage it. Right. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads. You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified, or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, all right? Businesses go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes, uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation, or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms, talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening and let's get back to our topic for the day.
So let's move on to, I guess, number four, uh, which the idea here to, to build brand affinity is to build a community and focus on building a community. So <clears throat> I don't necessarily think that this is one particular channel um, to build a community. And what I mean by be, build a community is build something that's interactive, that is uh, <clears throat> engaging, that happens on a consistent basis. That's what I mean by community. So I've seen brands build a community by just doing uh, like a Facebook group or a LinkedIn group. And essentially, uh, you know, the brand hosts the Facebook group, but the conversation starts to kind of take over itself. And then all it's more user generated content. Right. It's, it's turned into basically a forum, right? Uh, where people are contributing content ideas. This happens a lot in the marketing space. There's tons of marketing groups. Uh, it's when you get outside of that in the B2B space, there's less and less people that are building a community that way online. Um, there's other ways to do it, right? To build a community, build a discussion. Um, <clears throat> a couple of podcasts ago, we talked about the idea of creating a, when, when you do like a webinar or a podcast rather than pre-recorded and launch it that way, do it consistently on, you know, every Thursday night, we're going to do this podcast. It's a, a panel kind of discussion or Q and a, anything that's interactive that it's almost like, you know, people tuning into an episode of whatever TV show every Thursday night, they want to watch your podcast. They want to join the, anything they can join the discussion, contribute questions, you answer them, anything along those lines. Um, user events, right? So you talk about software, uh, most software companies will host user events right. or annual conferences. Uh, something again, that builds a discussion, builds a community and happens on a consistent basis. Even if that's only once a year, um, those are huge ways to build brand affinity. I mean, if anyone has ever been to the HubSpot conference, I mean, they have nailed this idea of building community and the conference is just one way, right? right. There's user groups, there's I mean, their website, everything, people that use HubSpot, they're, they're built into this and it's ingrained into them, this sense of community. Um, and that's, you know, it's a, a B2B software that people use at work and they, you know, get tattoos of HubSpot logo, like there's, they've gone over and above right. a building community. So I think you can't use that excuse of, well, why would anybody ever want to talk about this or do this is, you know, it's a B2B product. It's, you know, we're a manufacturing company, we're a technology company, whatever it is. There's a lot of ways that you can start that discussion because there are other people in your industry that, uh, you know, want to grow and toss around ideas and all this kind of thing. So building a community and you be the one that kind of leads that even if it's mainly user generated content is a great way to build that brand affinity as well yeah absolutely and i think um something simple as a linkedin group something simple yeah, start small. as a facebook group if you think that would be a good fit or anything that you can create to have them share show us what you know our product looks like in your you know <laughs> in your organization take yep. a picture and tag us <laughs> yeah i mean it's just Simple things like that. I mean, think about Starbucks, right? Like everybody's taking a picture of their Frappuccino and then the tech. Mm -hmm. It's like they don't need to look for content. People mm -hmm. are all over the place creating content. Now, the thing is that marketing team had to start somewhere to promote that idea of, hey, show us what you're doing with our equipment or our product. Where do you integrate? How does this work? How does it save you? And I think people will show you different use cases of how to leverage your product than you even thought is possible, right? Because people always find new, new solutions. So 
having that sort of thing not only helps you identify your customers better, but others can figure out, man, I, I, I could have done that. So it opens up more opportunities because I think people worry mm. that this could backfire. Well, well, we don't want all these people in the same place. You know, this is too much. I don't want them being friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> How much are they charging you? <laughs> and uh, I think that's the worry. Yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, then it's just your, you gotta, you know, it's your own business practice, right? You gotta focus on that. Um, because obviously to build a community, build brand affinity, it yep. starts with your product or service has to be something that people are proud and, of and happy with. Yep. Uh, but you're, I mean, what the point you just made of have, you know, people show how they're using it and giving ideas. Always, always your customer is your best salesperson if leveraged properly. But if those people don't have a microphone, yep. then how can they sell on your behalf? Right. So it's always been that case studies, referrals, testimonials. That's what people want at some point of that buyer's journey. They want to see that. They want to hear that. They want to know that they want someone to instill confidence into them. Like if I make this purchase, if I partner with this company, I'm not going to look stupid essentially. Like I'm, this is going to be a good decision, right? I'm not going to have that buyer's remorse. Uh, And so, you know, a conversation that's led by your customers talking about how happy they are with your product or service or how they've leveraged your technology to impact their business or whatever that is. And a lot of times, like you said, it's going to be something that you didn't even think about. It's not on your features and benefits. It's not part of your demo. Uh, your customers get creative and they use your product and they do use your service in different ways and it impacts them all in different ways. So let them tell their story uh, and bounce ideas off each other and have that feedback loop and start fixing things and working on things uh, within your own company to improve. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think at some point, if you compare the brands that have this community aspect versus the ones that don't, they're growing so much faster. Like you said, it's the virality. It's me telling you and um, you have a sticker on my laptop. You're like, Mm -hmm. what's that sticker? You see what I'm saying? It's all about that um, companies or the individuals sharing to other companies what the product is. I mean, if you think about Dropbox, the way they grew was you get a free one gigabyte (laughs) storage for everybody you invite. So I'm sitting here inviting everybody I know. Right. Yeah. And (laughs) And those are great examples of kind of those tactics within there. And the only reason I didn't want to start with those ideas is like, I don't want people to think that's all you have to do. Right. Those are great ways to get that kind of social sharing, of, sure. you know, a badging system, accreditation system. People, you, know, you see it all the time. Right. I, I passed this test or I'm, you know, I'm a whatever certified this and they share it on LinkedIn. You mentioned you get, you know, t-shirts and stickers and all those kind of things. What, um, what we're not saying is just go get a bunch of t-shirts with your logo printed on them and send them out to your customers. Like that's not what we're saying. <laughs> But you build a community and build a brand that people are proud to put their sticker on your laptop. That's different. Like you said, a, a referral program, you know, who, who famously did that? Uber did that, right? right. It's like every time you spend $20 or shared, every time you, someone else used your code, you got another $20. I think the first 18 times I used Uber, I never paid for it, right? Wow. Is that like cost effective for them? Was exactly. that profitable in the short term? Exactly. No, but they built a brand, they built a community. Um, now obviously there's other things that's gone on with the business model since then, but that's the idea is how do we get more people engaged and get people to talk about it rather than, have you ever told people like, Hey, I just rode in a cab, right? Right. You want to ride in a cab? (laughs) You want to try it? No, but they did that. And then you, you told me about it. I told you about it. Like that's how that spread happened. No, absolutely. So community really, really important. 
um, start somewhere. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, you're like doing you said, something. Facebook page, Facebook group right. essentially is different, right, than a Facebook page. But it's creating a Facebook group within your niche, your industry, and you'd be surprised. <clears throat> I mean, before you even start it, just go into Facebook and I think you just filter by like groups and you can search. You'd be surprised how many groups there are that you would say, like, well, who else, you know, is in this group, right? It's like, here's a group of all the people that drive in 1998, you know, Toyota, whatever. And there's a million people in it. And you're like, why? why?" And people share pictures of their, they're fixing it up. They bought this one. They got 10 of them in their backyard, whatever you think is super niche or super like irrelevant. I guarantee you there's a group there that you can either join or you can create and people will join if you do it the right way. So uh, nothing is too, obscure in my mind to create a, a Facebook group. Awesome. Awesome. What other ideas? Yeah. So the fifth get? and final thing, I mean, there's, there's tons of other things that you can do. These are just kind of five ideas that, that we came up with, but, and that we've seen work. Uh, the, the fifth idea is to, uh, is events. So I think that's probably one of the more difficult ones to do today as it sits with the, the state of the world is a physical event. Um, but I think there's other ways to, to host events digital kind of hybrid events. Uh, I think in-person events are certainly coming back. But if you are hosting events, whether they're small, you know, kind of more intimate conversations that help kind of build that community or whether they're big industry events that every year, if you're in X, Y, and Z industry, you go to, you know, this conference, this event, and you're the one that hosts it, or you're, you know, a keynote speaker, that inherently brings some kind of brand awareness and some credibility to the brand. Uh, And then you mix in the rest of these components that we're talking about of adding value, creating a sense of community. That is going to be something that takes you to the next level um, is, is any kind of event that you can put on. Yeah. And I think it's always been there and it will probably always be there. Um, And it's, it's, it's the one where you get out of your office, you immerse yourself into you know, whatever the conference is, whatever the event is. And in my experience, I've gotten more out of going to a conference, learning about a particular industry than being home, trying to watch five YouTube videos. And then I get distracted and then I never got anything. It's that engagement. It's, you know, the people that are there, it's, well, first of all, it's a higher barrier to entry, which as marketers, we always say like, we want to have a low barrier to entry, but to get people to engage, sometimes you need them to jump through a couple of hoops you know, go across town or leave, you know, fly to a different city or whatever. Like now all of a sudden you've paid money for this event. You're there. You, like you said, you have a little bit more of your attention than uh, something that could be equally as valuable. Someone could have that keynote speech, record it, put it on YouTube and you know, you're going to be distracted. You're not paying attention. So I think they're capturing people's attention. It also, the in-person ones creates a lot of discussion because especially if people are traveling from out of town now, all of a sudden, they're going to cocktail hours and they're all staying in the same hotels. And so you're interacting with all these kind of, I don't even say like-minded people, but people have the same interests. They're all there for right. basically the similar reason, um, which creates a positive experience. And whenever your brand is associated with a positive experience, a learning experience, a valuable experience, um, that's always a, a good sign. And it's something that frankly, you know, as marketers, you might not be able to measure, right. um, but over time, you certainly can see the impact. Yeah, no, I, I'm probably one of those people that have enjoyed uh, being part of it in multiple, you know, different scenarios. I can attest to learning more sometimes sitting in a talk 
than I would have on my own. You know what I'm saying? Trying to go through as much content as possible because it's just that you're you're free of distractions. You already blocked out your calendar. Nobody's bothering you. And you're trying to maximize the value of your time that you invested. So you're going to pay attention. You're going to get something and you're going to go execute and change. So I think some of my craziest ideas either come from a coffee shop or a conference. Sure. Uh, it's because, you, you know, you have some time that you've set aside to just not do anything, right? Yep. So, um, and as a brand, if you can get people to show up there, I think that would be huge uh, for the company. You're probably going to create, uh, you know, uh, folks that are going to be branded by, you know, ambassadors. Yeah. You're going to create people that are going to be customers in the future, maybe employees for your company, like anything of that sort all comes out of something like this, or even get the employees of the company involved in it. So they see the vision and the mission behind it. Like it's one way to actually live out what you do. Right. And so um, I think if you can pull that off, it's probably the best uh, in any environment, even if it had to be virtually today. Yep. I agree. Any final thoughts? Um, well, like I said, I don't I think this is this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. Mm. So building a community, it's going to be hard getting people to engage. It's going to be hard to get people in or creating a brand, uh, you know, a partnership program. These are all things that I think you have to make a, a priority or else it's not going to happen, right? Yep. So these are all easier said than done. Let's put it that way. So as a brand, you have to decide what are we going to do this month or what are we going to do? Because you're trying to do all of this at the same time. It's just not going to work. There's just a lot of things. You still have your day-to-day -day business. You still got to run your you know, demos or sales yep. calls and you know plan whatever marketing that you're already doing. This is all above and beyond. So maybe leverage a partner if you need a bandwidth or reprioritize some of the things because the things that we're talking about here are going to give you long-term sustainable growth. Yeah. Right? That's what these five ideas that I believe are going to do for you. But it is going to take time and energy to execute on these ideas in addition to whatever else you're doing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, they're all in the same kind of vein, right, of yeah, there are five different ideas, but it's all the same idea of creating valuable content, creating a sense of community, creating a discussion, right. associating your brand with positive experiences and connections and all those kind of things. So um, it, I don't, you know, I, like you said, it's not overnight, but it also shouldn't be too overwhelming. Start somewhere. Like yeah. you said, start with a podcast, start with uh, a, a podcast and a Facebook group, right? Those are two, Easy. you know, low, uh, you know, entry points for you to kind of focus on. So just to recap five things that B2B companies can do to build that brand affinity. Uh, one is create valuable content, uh, videos, podcasts, those kind of things. Two is leverage brand collaborations anybody in your industry that could be a potential partner to expand your audience, tap into their audience uh, or vice versa. Someone else that can, that can bring value to your audience that is not necessarily a, a competitor uh, that have some, you know, synergies there. Leveraging organic social is the third idea. Um, third sort of category. Uh, I think, you know, depends your audience, but we're talking about B2B, I think LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, uh, I'd look at sometimes a YouTube as like a, a social platform just because it's a little different than, you know, traditional kind of search engine. But the idea is same as creating that valuable content and then leveraging social channels to get that out there, build a following. Uh, fourth is build a community. Um, we talked about a lot of great ideas on how you can build a community, but building a discussion, essentially build something that someone can feel a part of and that you're associated with um, your brand is. 
And then the fifth idea is events. Um, again, I think in-person events are super powerful and have an extra level of credibility because it's like, you know, you're proving for one that you can coordinate and put something on and that you have enough clout that you can get people to show up to. Um, but if you're not ready for that, or if, you know, there happens to be a global pandemic going around, whatever that may be, you can do virtual events. You can do smaller, you know, kind of pop-up events, more intimate settings. And I actually think some of those more intimate settings accomplish that sense of community as well, because if you just say, Hey, we're, you know, we're hosting a, you know, this event in a Q and a session and there's only, you know, 20 people there. Plus you and I are giving the speech or whatever that would be. That's a lot more interactive. We've done a lot of those that are in our offices, um, is have people in 10, 20, you know, 30 people. Uh, and it, it creates more of that intimate kind of discussion and sense of community. Um, but we still have that credibility of, Hey, 20 people showed up specifically to, you know, right watch us talk. So those are uh, five things that you can do as a, as a company. If you have some other ideas um, that you want us to kind of unpack and discuss, feel free to send those in. Um, and uh, we'll certainly talk about those on a future episode. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers. Head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.